0: Different interpretations, I hope it gave listeners uh, an idea or a taste of this composer or this piece if they haven't heard it before, and maybe they'll listen to the whole thing.
1: You are listening to And If Love Remains, a unique show spotlighting people, ideas, science, culture, and art. Your host... Mike Levitt. Mike yes, Rachel, you are listening to that great podcast in the sky. And if love remains, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mike Levitt. You're sometimes virtuous, occasionally vile, always virile. Host. And with your help, we will go viral by doing that thing that you do. Subscribe, share, all that good stuff. You know what to do. Um, And we have, again, with us the maestro of music, the king of keys, the prince of pianism, the one and only Elias Axel Pedersen. Welcome, sir.
0: Thanks, Mike. Great to be back. (laughs) We're going to have a fun episode of yet some more music that we're going to listen to and critique, if you will.
1: We are. we This is great. This has been so much fun. Um, getting to listen to these great artists play wonderful music. Um, and this is a part three of mm-hmm. of, of this kind of uh, of our ongoing
0: series. <laughs> we'll That's right, our
1: ongoing series. <laughs> yeah, and and it will probably go on for you know for a while. I'm. I mean, yeah. we have other songs here to do, but but hey, this this can continue. This has been fun. So, yeah, it's been a lot um, of fun,
0: a lot of great music and and artists yeah. and performers out there. So.
1: So, so just wh- why don't you kind of do a quick recap for those who have, this might be the first to- the first of the series that they're hearing. Um, what are we listening to? What are we going to be doing today, Elias?
0: Well, we're listening to hopefully two pieces today. And one of them is by a composer that might not be too familiar to a lot of listeners, uh, Leo Sianacek. He is a Czech composer from the uh, late 19th century to early 20th century. Uh, or to mid twentieth century, and um, he he was a very interesting composer in that he was self very self critical, much like Brahms, uh, and so these are the two composers I think of whenever somebody asks, "What's the the best composer?" And I say, okay. in terms of quality of output versus quantity, probably Janacek and Brahms, because uh, they destroyed so much of their music that wasn't perfect or up to their standard. And, wow. uh This sonata, this piece that we're going to be listening to actually we're only going to be listening to a part of the first movement Uh, this was an example of a piece that was destroyed actually and uh, came back to us so i think we did uh, a podcast just on this piece in the past so listeners that are interested can can check that out but uh yeah
1: so this is from um, 1905 Mm mm-hmm yeah. It's, uh,
0: it has kind of a dark history. Uh, there was, you know, Janáček was, uh, was living in the town of Brno in uh, Moravia at the time, or now the Czech Republic. And uh, it was sort of split between German and Czech citizens. And there was a German university, but not a, a Czech university. And so students were protesting to have equal rep- representation and to have a university for them as well in their native tongue. Um, the police and the authorities did not like that. And so they um, kind of quashed the protests, the riots, mm. and uh, a couple of people were killed, including a student. And that's what this piece is sort of based on. Um, Janacek saw that, saw what happened. The student was, uh, you know, bayoneted or, or gunned down. And it was October 1st 1905, hence the title wow. One One X 1905, and he was very um, touched and just disturbed by this, and he wrote this piece kind of in a in a fury and very quickly, and um, it has this first movement called the Presentiment. I'm not going to try it in in Czech, and uh, orig- originally it was three movements long. So when he wrote it, it was three movements, and it was. Um, I don't remember if all three movements were premiered. I think just two were. He he really disliked the third movement, so he burned it. Really, and oh, wow. uh, nobody nobody has found it or has a copy of it. But he did give a copy of th- these two movements to one of his students at the uh, conservatory where he was teaching. Um, and after the premiere, he thought, you know, this really isn't that great either, and so he threw it into the river. His score. <laughs> But luckily, she kept it. And then many years later, she dug it out and um, played it for him at his 70th birthday. And he said, "Eh, "Okay, it's not bad, so you can publish it. (laughs) So so that's how we come to this piece is that it's it's the student's copy, probably a handwritten copy of his score that he tried to destroy twice, you know, the third movement and then the first and second movements. And we just have the first and second movements. Uh, And I think they worked
1: great together so the second movement what what a perfectionist this guy's gotta be wow i mean yeah yeah that's insane all right so um who who's gonna be our first artist uh so we have three artists we can listen to
0: lazar berman he made one of the you know first major i I guess seminal recordings and, and benchmark recordings of this um it's one that i consulted when i was learning the piece you know a couple decades ago and uh, this is from, I think, 1996 is the one I sent you, although he okay. played it before that.
1: Fabulous. So, well, let's, take a, let's take a peek. Let's take a listen.
0: And then it repeats that. I, I wanted to listen to that without any commentary, just so we get an idea because this is probably a very foreign sounding piece to a lot of people. Uh, it's not maybe so easy to grasp, uh, although it does have a lot of sentiment and just heartfelt, you know, emo- right. raw emotion in it. Um, but yeah, I I, I mean, you've, you've heard it a little bit. What were your, some of your thoughts? Just well, uh, first
1: of all, I, I felt like he definitely knows how to paint a picture. I mean, between like the um, some of the chaotic moments um, and and the subtle change in dynamics, where you where it gets quite loud and then it comes down very quickly um, to almost a you know very serene like setting and 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 so that that contrast you can see that there's some. I mean, if I hadn't known the backstory, but I knew, knew it was some sort of tone poem. I would Mm -hmm. have, I would have thought that, you know, this is some sort of, you know, battle mob. I mean, you, you kind of feel that, that, that kind of uncertainty going Mm -hmm. on, that pain going on. Um, and then that, the, the, the quiet parts are really, um, like I said, they're serene, but in a very, um, you know, almost, uh, uh, gloomy way, I guess. It's, just, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's gloomy. That's probably a yeah.
0: important to say. I think that is a very, yeah, morose. Glo- gloomy is a great um, descriptor, I think. So I it's, it's so interesting. I've played this. I've recorded it. I have very personal opinions of it. And so it's interesting now listening to the re- this recording, which I haven't uh, listened to for a long time. And uh, I just want to talk about what's in the score and the sort of Artistic liberties that Berman takes, which I think are totally justified, um, but they're not necessarily things I would do. So, one of the things with with Janacek is that he's quite specific, but uh, sort of enigmatic as well. So his his metronome marking is con moto, but it's very fast. He he actually probably would have written this as a dotted quarter is seventy two, and we'll get to how fast that is in a second. But also his meter. Typically, we see meters like four, four, three, four, maybe something strange like five, four, or you know, three, eight, six, eight. He doesn't write any of that. He writes above the staff two slash quarter note. So it seems like it's you know two four. That's what it would uh, wow. seem to me. Yeah. But then there are three beats, uh, or rather, sorry, two slash dotted quarter uh, dotted quarter note. Okay. So it's kind of like a three four, or it's two large beats of dotted quarter because you can't have in the denominator a dotted note
1: right so it's not quite like a six eight
0: but yeah but it feels like that sometimes and then it feels like three four sometimes so i think he gave that uh indication to give himself the most flexibility and in music when we have uh let's say a three four measure or a section in three four and it sounds more like two it's called hemiola, so I think he likes to play around with that hemiola effect. Mm-hmm. Um, you get this thing like going one two three, one two three, one two three, one two three, one two
1: three, one two three. Right, um, you get that yeah. effect,
0: and also he has some uh, sextuplets and triplets and some funny, funky rhythms. Uh, and fitting things together in the hands is a little bit tricky as well. There are some sections where it's what I would call very unpianistic. Uh, he was an organist. He was a pianist. But some of the things seem, you know, impossible. And a lot of pianists redo the the um, the fingering, so they redistribute some of the notes from the left hand to the right hand. I actually keep it as the original, but it's sometimes very tough to maneuver that and to voice mm-hmm. things. So that's all to set up uh, the setup to say that I think Berman does an incredible job bringing out the voices when he needs to. Um, but he doesn't always follow the dynamics. He sometimes does the opposite. And okay. then, um, but, but it's with such this like beautiful tone. You know, sometimes we talk about an accent. It doesn't mean necessarily louder. It just means that you're bringing attention to that. So you can suddenly go to a whisper and that can draw attention to something just as right. much as if you scream it. And I think he uses that a lot, that
1: effect. So that is an interesting concept. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I yeah. thought
0: we'd listen to it a little bit again now that we kind of have it in our ear and then we'll get to uh, compare it to others. But I want to get the metronome marking. I was getting my phone out here to get the metronome yeah. marking. Uh, what the original tempo is, So 72 for the dotted quarter. So... Each measure, we have six eighth notes. Now, of course, within that framework, you can take a little bit of time here and there. But we'll see that he he really stretches it.
1: Yeah, I don't think he goes that fast.
0: Not not even close. So let's let's try the beginning and see how fast he's going. Okay. Already is kind of, you know, give and take a lot, but much slower. And then on those da da da, 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 da takes a lot of time. Yeah. If you want to pause it for one second, so sure. There,
1: there's a lot of unevenness there, and, and I yeah. think purposefully done. You know. Yes. It's, it's yeah. like it's like you you feel that you know yeah. that
0: back and forth. Yeah, there's a lot of back and forth, a lot of tension that's held. And when it comes to that, that's actually a subito forte. So Janáček is sort of Ah. like Beethoven. He likes these subitos, but Beethoven liked the subito piano, where you crescendo, crescendo, and then all of a sudden nothing. And sometimes Janáček likes to quiet, 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 and then boom, you know, surprise you. I think I just surprised my cat. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, in any case, uh, he loves these dynamic shift, very fast dynamic shifts, uh, and and temporal shifts. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think Berman quite follows those indications, but what he does is still bring those uh, figures to the fore by like ta 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 very sense uh, sensitively, mm-hmm. which I really like. Um, we'll yeah. go a little bit farther, and I'll tell you this is a very scary piece to start because of measure uh, measure eleven, so we'll we'll
1: keep. yeah, going. I heard that.
0: Starting right here. So this figuration, let's see if I can even I'm embarrassed to play it on the piano. but uh, previously, You've got this uh, melody or figuration. Yeah. Which is done with both hands, Mm -hmm. but then you have to do it with one hand. Oh yeah. Um, While the right hand is doing the beautiful melody. Um, and it's just very awkward to do that with one hand with those jumps. It's very quiet. Whoops, I forgot my score at the piano. How can I talk? That? Well, and, very... the, and the
1: jumps and, and, and the left, it's also rhythmically difficult to put those hands together because you have to have really good independence to, to do that.
0: Yeah, luck, you know. luckily most of it's two against one, but the jump sometimes is in the middle, and so you have to get the jump the same right. uh, length as you know two notes together. And it's easy to play two notes next to each other fast, it's hard to play the jump as fast. Um, right. And So that does throw off your right hand, and sometimes the right hand melody can sound jilted as a result. Um, and it's supposed to just be very. Vocal instead of you know, right? You don't want that, so
1: well, and and yeah. you know what, that's a really good word because uh, now that you say that, I mean, this um, Burnham Bourbon really does bring out that vocal quality in it beautifully, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. even even in the in its unevenness, um, with its with its tempo. I mean, I think that's what a singer would do, you know, mm-hmm. is it's, yeah, is a singer would ebb and flow quite a bit with a melody like this.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I love, we'll, we'll go to the next one, but I also just want to point out, you know, the extreme dynamics that that Janáček uh, uses. And of course this is still in 1905. So the music world, classical music world is starting to experiment already a lot, but he's got uh, in the part we listened to triple forte with a crescendo after that, again, triple forte. And then the next measure, triple pianista. So, pianissimo, three P's. So, three F's to three P's in the matter of three seconds or so.
1: Um, Wow.
0: Pretty, pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that is
0: cool. So, now that we've kind of heard that, I thought we'd listen to maybe Sungjin Shou, if that one's. That sounds good. This is a very recent recording.
1: Here we go. As he's coming to the stage, apparently. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, a little bit of a surge there. Yeah, that is a little bigger. I like how he offsets the right hand mm-hmm. left hand there. Yeah. Moves a little bit more. The left hand feels more
1: thunderous. Yes. And those
0: parallel octaves, very tough passage. So a triple forte with a pickup to a triple P. And then there's a middle voice, like a Alto range or tenor range, which she brings out beautifully. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. He does those more staccatos.
1: Were those staccatos added?
0: Well, so Janacek uses dots and carats or uh, unit markers for only the two middle 16th notes. Pete's the exposition. Yeah, he wow. brings that out a little bit more. There, very, very interesting. Quite different.
1: Way different. Yeah. yeah, it was. I didn't. I mean, the tempo it moved a little bit more, but it wasn't that far different. In other words, I don't think he's still hitting close to seventy-two. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> you
0: know, and and uh, so I've never heard anybody play it quite that speed. And if they do, they usually slow down. You know by measure 11. With for th- sure. Let's
1: talk about that for a second. Cause I think that's a common thing with composers um, is that they'll set a tempo and then over time by either tradition or because it's unplayable or, you know, for whatever reason um, artists decide, no, it needs to go either faster or slower than, than, than what the composer decides. And mm-hmm. I, I find that interesting that it's okay to do that with some pieces and maybe not okay with others. And um, yeah,
0: What's your lot, take on that? A lot of research. We've, yeah, we've had some discussion when it comes to people like Beethoven and Chopin, uh, on that. And I, I think the the composers maybe had an idea in their mind. Sometimes they could play it. Sometimes they couldn't. But but even great composers that were great pianists like Rachmaninoff um, would change from one performance to another. Uh, right. And it wasn't that they got older and they played slower necessarily. I mean, Arau as a pianist, you know he was a firebrand when he was young and he played slower and slower, it seemed, when he got older, but it was still phenomenal. Um, but I think composers don't always have the, the exact idea or the best idea how, of how something's going to come about until it gets played more often and uh, yeah, great interpreters start to kind of mold their own ideas with the piece. And then it's like, oh, you can actually do it that way and it captures the essence of the piece and it doesn't really disturb anything as long as you're not, you know, that makes far. me think
1: of, um, well, what's funny is that, that makes me think of, uh, the famous, uh, new world symphony by Dvorak. Um, mm-hmm. and apparently from, from what I learned that, that, uh, Largo, uh, section, the second movement, which is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Everybody mm-hmm. knows it makes me cry every time. Da, 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 da. It's just, it's just so beautiful, but apparently that was written as an adagio. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think I believe it was the first conductor who performed the premiere actually told told Dvorak, "No, this needs to be slower. (laughs) This needs to be a largo." And And so he he... played it largo, and Dvorak's like, "Yeah, that's the way it needs to be done." So it's like to think about that piece being done fast is kind of like I I wouldn't, I couldn't even imagine that one Uh going you know twenty beats faster a minute or something. (laughs) That would just be bizarre. We're so used to it. Yeah. Yeah but uh but it, you're right i think sometimes like composers have an idea um but then interpreters come in and go you know i can make this better
0: <laughs> yeah well so a couple of things that come to mind one is the scarlatti sonata that we did the first of this this series um yeah that has such vastly different tempi it's basically half the speed one of them is uh, the gillel's recording is half the tempo that uh, michelangeli takes and right. it's such a different piece they're they're both sort of true to the score. Uh, they just bring out different things. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say this piece, the Janacek, has such a diversity of Tempe. Uh, Mussorgsky certainly has a lot there are certainly yeah. ones that are much slower than others. You know, it also reminds me of some Chopin recordings. I know Vin, you've had Vim Venter's on about the
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, double metronome, um, which I don't yeah the I controversy. <laughs> I don't always, you know, agree with that or or buy it, but uh, for many reasons that we've discussed. But there yeah. were there were students of Chopin's and students of Liszt and students of Leszczycki that that heard Chopin and would have been able to converse with him or converse with his students and say, well, how you know how fast did he play this piece and how did he imagine it? And um, you know, they recorded things in the early 1900s. Uh, I think Planté was the first that recorded some some Chopin etudes and they're pretty quick, you know, and he's in his like eighties or nineties when he records those. So right, I don't think he would have t- remembered something in his eighties or nineties that was totally different from something he heard when he was in his twenties or thirties. It's probably very similar. Um, yeah. And so we kind of take that as as a tradition. Um, but this piece, I think there's, there's a lot of leeway that can be had. And if you can capture that, that essence in that story, as you mentioned with Berman, uh, then I think you're, you're on the right path.
1: Well, and, and the, the, this um, Cho version is very, I mean, it's different and it is bringing out different things. Like you feel like, like I said, like when that left hand goes down and you hear that thunderous, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like a thunderstorm, like brooding underneath the melody. And it's, it it's, you know, it's not exactly, it's not overtaking it, but you're feeling it more than I think in the, in the Berman. Mm -hmm. um and and then even in the beginning um there's some ebb and flow that is like i don't know something was different how he played i I think it was a tempo where he would speed up and slow down a Mm -hmm. little bit more um that that that, i don't know made me feel like it was like um uneasy i think is Mm -hmm. you know
0: and that is probably, well, it's intentional, but that could really be the heart of the piece. You know, right. It could be getting to the heart of or the, the meaning of the
1: piece. So, right. It was and the how second he, yeah, yeah. How he yeah. interpreted that, you know. Right.
0: Exactly. Well, let's, that's uh, yeah, good. Let's see what this third one is like, how different or similar, or if we can start to hear, hear some differences okay. and some similarities. So, this is uh, Aldo Ciccolini, great Italian pianist and.
1: When was this performed, do you think?
0: Um I might have it written I think oh this was from the late nineties. I think okay. I have it as ninety nine. So
1: again it's relatively newish the
0: last three decades, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's the nineties. I'm old. It's new. I
0: know. Well, it was very regular and then a lot of time. Oh, and that's a forte. And Then mezzo forte, down. That's pretty in your face, yeah. And this is quite slow, even slower than vermin, yeah. It's really there's different. a bit... okay, it picks up a little bit. Let's bring it that Triple forte. Oh, he goes right into it. That's, that's you yeah. Wow. So he plays that tenor melody or alto melody a little bit before the chords come in. Yeah. Which a lot of people do. Well, it'll wow. bring it out, you know. Yeah, great tone. I love this is sort of a cannon in one hand. It just follows itself and cycles around. OK. <laughs> and then we'll cut it. Yeah, the repeat.
1: Wow, that was different
0: (laughs) yeah that's very bombastic in some places
1: yeah well and it's yeah i mean you you and there is some this one has more of a shock value Mm -hmm. because you have those big in the beginning where where the other two kind of grew this was like bang and then soft yeah it had those real subito fortes and subito pianos yeah Um, and that's what's marked yeah he
0: he has pianissimo at the beginning, third measure mezzo forte when that that first leap comes, vocal leap if you will. It's a fifth, perfect fifth, and then great decrescendo to let's say mezzo piano or something like that. Then forte immediately, and then um, mezzo forte decrescendo, and then forte again. So he he really brings that stuff out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Where, where the where the other the other two uh, you felt a more gradual growth towards that measure 11 measure 13 where everything kind of just blows up mm-hmm. this was more of like shots heard in the night mm-hmm. and then it just ex- explodes at the mm-hmm. end you know it's yeah it's, a, it's I, very different and, and, and i like it like yeah that's the things i like all three of these a lot yeah me too
0: That's why I chose them. Um, It's funny because, you know, I listened to all three of these and um, there are some others that I'd listened to as well in preparing this piece. And I do different things from all of them. And uh, and even from when I recorded it first, uh, which was a commercial recording, when did I make that one? 2006. Uh, But then I played it in some recitals during my doctoral degree you know, many years later. So the last time I played it was 2011 and already in those five years, I had changed it. Um, and I've brought it mm-hmm. back since, you know, in the last, I think last time I played it was about four or five years ago and it was different still. So, yeah, you know, Would, I would feel, it be
1: different if you brought it back again? Like, do you, have you had think some more so.
0: insights that you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think
1: this kind of a piece is something
0: that's, it's always evolving in a way it's something I can bring back pretty quickly because um, the structure is very, it's like perfect structure in terms of the mm-hmm. the me- number of measures. You know, we always talk about Mozart in having this uh, structure where it's very delineated and easy to follow. Two plus two, and four plus four, and eight plus eight, right. and all that. you uh, not this sonata. Two, I counted them once. I don't know. It's like sixty some or seventy some odd measures or something like that. No, no, it's I'm I'm wrong. It's ninety measures, ninety one measures. But the the exposition timing is like. If you repeat it is exactly the same as the development plus the recapitulation and it's like right in the middle and there's the golden mean or whatever that comes yeah. at exactly the right spot you know with within a half a measure or something like that um so just yeah the that form stuff is makes very, it
1: so e- easy to it makes it so nice to perform <laughs> yeah it's very satisfying
0: know? to perform and it comes mm. back aside from a couple very difficult technical sections uh, I usually can bring this back relatively quickly um in the first movement. The second movement is very difficult to bring back for me because it's so we're not going to listen to it today i I would suggest people listen to it. It's so slow and so um it's actually really emotionally draining, so I can't practice it that much mm. uh, because when you get into it, it's not like the notes uh. are hard there, there are big stretches i have you know no problem with those but I'm just playing and counting, and you're putting all your, you know, effort, every ounce of effort into each second that you're counting, and you can't really practice that for so many, you know, minutes or hours at a time. Right. So bringing that back is just tougher for the memory. There's some odd chords, so I have to do a lot of mental practice with that one um, when I bring it back. But the the first one just fits so beautifully into the hands. E- even the awkward sections once you start getting your arms moving, it also fits very nicely. Mm. So, anyhow. Nice. Yeah, um this very is pretty cool. cool.